Non-binary listeners, ladies and gentlemen, heroes and crooks, Little Miss Magic, and the statues she talks to. The audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's T-R-G, the Ramblin' Gambler, talking to myself again, wondering if this traveling is good. Is there something else a doing we'd be doing if we could? But all the stories we could tell. And if it all blows up and goes to hell, I wish that we could sit around a bar in some hotel and listen to the stories we could tell. Welcome combatants, welcome squad mates to episode 119 of our Casino Combat Podcast. I'll probably come up with a story or two to tell you today. After all, that is why we ride the carousel. I uh, It's an interesting episode. Been an interesting minute since uh, I had a chance to talk to all of you, and it's an interesting episode. I don't have much of a squad update for you at the moment. Things have been a little quiet in the Casino Combat Galaxy. So, before we get to the battle plan for this episode and get started, let's assume we have some new listeners with us today and do something we have not done in a while. Well, minus the spiked hair and the new vans, but feel free to throw up your right hand if you are so inclined. Let's do some Casino Combat 101. We have not done this in a while, as I said. First, let's start with the first elephant in the room. The first thing you might notice if this was your first episode, we spell lots of things with a K, simply because it was cheaper than the proper spelling. That is just the truth. We follow that up with dropping a lot of G's off the end of words, as you heard in the show's open. Our compliments to the author of those particular words. Next, and bigger elephant. I make an outrageous claim, a claim that often is met with smirks, derision, and eye rolls. That claim is this, the game of casino gambling is beatable. Not every time, but over the course of time. If you make good choices and play all aspects of the game, you can win the game of casino gambling. And I'm happy to show you how. And since most people don't believe that anyway, they're not going to believe it. I figured why not use the pandemic closing and reopening the world to share what I had learned for years and years and decades prior to all of that. All these years later, world reopened. Here we are, spelling things with a K, learning new stuff, and talking about it when I get a chance to get in front of the microphone and talk to all of you. Since this is Casino Combat 101, if you are just finding us for the first time, we have a website, casinocombat.com. Yes, you should spell combat with a K, but not casino with a K. That would be ridiculous. 
on the website. We have links to our social media accounts. We have links to where you can listen to the podcast. We have a section called Fred where you can download a variety of materials created by myself and by squad mates, by Inner Circle members, by Excelsior Brigade members. We are working as a squad to make each other better and we are happy to help you be good at the game of casino gambling as well a lot of things in the fred section for you to download we have blog posts with useful information and results from the past months and years of gambling not trying to hide anything folks if this is your first time i am not trying to make this a mystery And I am not telling you I can do something that I don't share my outcomes with you and let you see if I did in fact succeed or fail on any given month. And we've had a good run, three plus years in profits every year. We have a great Facebook group called the Casino Combat Squad where listeners share ideas, questions, results, thoughts, news, things that they've come up with. We have a YouTube channel with a playlist called Boot Camp that teaches the basics of good casino gambling in a few short lessons. And we have a playlist there called TRG Wagering Systems where I demonstrate the wagering systems that I've created and tested for beating 50-50 wagers in a casino. So if we've covered it in an episode, we've also covered it on the YouTube channel in a slightly different way. There are games hidden in the podcast. Those are discussed and explained in episode 22. Wow, almost 100 episodes ago. You are welcome to play the game if you would like to. All right, those are the basics. If you would like to live a casino lifestyle, I am happy to show you how I do that. And if that is something you do, I'm always interested in hearing about it. You are welcome to always email me via trg at casinocombat.com. There we go, Casino Combat 101, covered for the first time in a long time. What is the battle plan today? What should we talk about? In episode 118, we had a moment of casino wisdom and discussed how your play stack can be a measurement of your chance of recovering from a loss or a series of losses. Basically, the smaller the stack, the smaller your percent chance of recovering and earning a profit. Simple beginner stuff, but a useful way to visualize where you are in the process. A tool at a gambling table for assessing your current chances of succeeding or failing from the point you are at that moment. Then in 118, we also discussed various exit strategies that implement the core concept of winning a small set amount and leaving. And we saw in that process that TRG2 or TRG4, my preferred way of play currently, plays well with even a small stack of chips in that exit mode. As you've won an amount you're willing to leave with and start the process of seeing how much longer you can win, We saw that TRG4 in particular plays very well with three, four, five, six chips, not the normal 10 that we start with. And so I want to take those two things. I want to take those two pieces of beginner information that we talked about in episode 118, and then I'm going to start with a moment of concept segment, and I'm going to throw those two ideas in a mental blender and talk about some PhD level ways of using those ideas to implement things differently and perhaps in a more advanced way if you are so inclined. After that, I was actually sitting at the bar at my local casino after a session of gambling with our Padawan learner who's trying to learn to be a professional gambler. And as I started to respond to something he said, I realized where my thoughts were going and I started recording. The recording is going to form the basis of a Padawan parables segment today. And a lesson I call the Padawan, the Path, and the Unicorn. 
I'll follow that up with a quick results segment to cover a couple weeks of gambling, share the outcomes, talk about some observations, and then we will adjourn to the virtual VIP lounge for some sips and a quick story about a very young TRG learning a very useful lesson. Okay, simple, straightforward, I think. Well, at least until we get to that moment of concept segment, which is where we're going to start. So let's go. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Thing means nothing. What? A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. So the moment of casino wisdom segment and the core concepts segment in episode 118 were just the beginning, the beginner introduction to a more complex, and what the heck, yeah, let's spell complex with a K, why not? A more complex way of looking at bankroll and buy-in construction. They were the way for me to start explaining a much more complicated thought process. So that was the preliminary part of this thought, and now we can actually get to the more interesting part of it to me. And to put the disclaimer here, this is experienced gambler stuff, in my opinion. If you are just starting do things the way I've laid them out previously. Cal- calculate your bankroll, your buy-in, your exit points around a 10-unit buy-in. Have a minimum of three buy-ins to even enter a casino and attempt to win. Those are basic things that I talked about at the very beginning of this podcast and have continued to put emphasis on. If you're going to build around TRG3, the Meta Martingale, and do that if you can, and if you want to increase your chances of winning more often, while understanding the losses will be large larger but less frequent. And if that doesn't all sound familiar to you because we are just getting acquainted, episode 62, 63 and 64 are where you would want to start to understand that and you would want to do that after you'd gone through the boot camp playlist on the YouTube channel. But assuming you are up to speed on all of that, I'd like to submit for your consideration some alternate ideas that come from what I discussed in episode 118. Let's start with the implication of the idea that if you are using TRG2, always be grinding, or TRG4, win more, keep more, as the play stack is reduced by five or six units, the chance of recovery to a full play stack of 10 units and a profit gets smaller and smaller. And I think that is instinctively and obviously true. If you're using TRG4, you may get down to a play stack of three, make the final one unit bet before you would hit your negative exit point and recover fully and continue playing it. I've done it, many of you have done it, but it also doesn't happen very often that you get to that point and if you do, recovery is hard and unlikely. So you don't very often end up making that last bet, but if you do, while you may recover, it's hard, it's difficult, it doesn't happen very often. And it's less likely that you're going to recover if your wager of choice is Baccarat or Don't Pass Craps or Black Red on Roulette. If you're making any of those other wagers in comparison to Blackjack, recovery is going to be more difficult. And why is that? It's because Blackjack does offer some let-me-catch-up-quick opportunities in the form of a Blackjack getting paid 3-2, to two, or having a chance to split and or double a wager and win several units based off of one initial wager and one initial set of two cards. Now, if recovering after losing five or six units is less likely, 
And if, and if, as we saw when discussing using a three-chip exit strategy, TRG4 plays just fine with three to six chips. If we combine those two ideas, why not just use a buy-in of three to six chips and skip the riskier and more difficult part of the recovery process? And this is especially true if you are somewhere where you have lots of choices of where to play. If you are in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, Reno, maybe Tahoe, anywhere that allows you to easily move from casino to casino and table to table. That's why I would exclude maybe, say, Tunica or the Gulf Coast, because those are not places where you can quickly and easily move between tables. And, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to be unfair, right? Those are great places to play. I mean, Mrs. TRG would disagree about Tunica, if you remember the story. But those are great places to play, places I really enjoy. But Biloxi, you're going to pay $10, $12, $14 for an Uber, a rideshare, to move you from casino to casino. Now, that's not hard, but it's certainly not as easy as walking out of Casino A on the boardwalk, walking down the boardwalk in Atlantic City, and walking into Casino B. It's not as easy as walking from the Flamingo to the Cromwell in Las Vegas. It is not as easy as walking down the row in Reno. In those environments, it can be very, very easy to use just a smaller buy-in because you can move quickly from place to place. The idea would be buy in with a five-unit play stack, play and build a win stack until the five units has been lost, record your results, and move on to the next activity, or the next thing to sightsee, or the next game to be played. It's really just setting a smaller negative exit and taking out the riskier wagers where a recovery to a 10-unit play stack is less likely to occur. This is jumping off those two ideas from last episode. As long as you understand the wagering system, this would be a lower risk approach for someone who gets to one of those gambling hotspots from time to time, but doesn't have a chance to gamble much otherwise. So this would be a great technique adjustment if you were someone that just got to Las Vegas or Atlantic City a few times a year. A kind of different way to approach moving about those spaces. It's a small buy-in. It eliminates the more difficult parts of the process. And it lets you enjoy everything the environment has to offer. Have a brunch, play a session of Baccarat for as long as it lasts. Wander and see some sights. Play a bubble crap session. Ride a zip line. Play some blackjack. Smaller buy-in, smaller risk, less time just parked at one table. At the same time, I've been applying all these ideas in another way when I'm playing locally and have limited table choices. And I am going to just plant myself at the best available table and try to grind out a win. Now I'm using all of these ideas and the TRG3 Meta Martingale in a different way to construct my buy-in in these environments. And let me walk you through it. Suppose the table minimum is $10. I'm going to plan my buy-in around 10, $10 units as my starting point, and then add an additional five $20 units. That's a total of $200. And when I'm given my chips, I'm going to construct a 10-unit play stack, as we've always discussed, and then let's call it a five $20 unit backup stack. Two stacks of chips, and then the imaginary win stack, uh, that we're going to hopefully create as we play. So far, nothing weird or complicated here. No outside-the-box thinking going on. In a perfect world, and many times it is a perfect world, you play until you have a win stack, 
of whatever your target number is, let's say eight units, and then you start the exit of your choice. I prefer a three chip exit. Now, in reality, things often don't go that way. They're not as simple as I've got my 10 unit play stack, I build my win stack, I start my exit. You may put a unit or two in the win stack and the play stack gradually gets smaller and smaller. Eventually, the play stack reaches two units. That could be a negative exit and leave with a small loss, but applying what we've been discussing and the way we did the buy-in in this example, I instead take those two units from the play stack and the backup stack that I made with the $20 unit size, and I make a new play stack of $120, which is six units to use for a tier two meta martingale and a $20 unit size. I've essentially shifted gears to a larger unit, and I'm playing with just six units, that lower risk six units that we've talked about in previous episodes the amount that has the most chance of success. And as soon as I win just a few of those $20 units, I can shift right back down. I'm right back to where I started. I'm right back to a point where I can go back to the lower risk associated with the smaller unit size and go back to trying to hit my win goal and start my exit. If things don't turn around, turn around, I save myself the additional losses that are likely to go with trying to come back at that second tier of the Madden Martingale, having already lost most of the tier two buy-in. I'm losing a small set amount and walking away at that point, just like our core concepts teach, and I'm doing that where recovery becomes much less likely. I have found that I sometimes change from tier one to tier two and then back again several times while I try to find that run of cards that creates a profit and then an exit from the table. And sometimes, of course, that exit creates additional profits. And of course, this works just swell anywhere that has lots of casinos to enjoy as well. Same idea can be applied to other places. It's just something I've been doing where I know basically I'm walking into a casino with a limited number of tables on a Tuesday afternoon, and I don't have a lot of choices. And this is a way to just shift between gears and play the lowest risk parts of the Meta Martingale, the lowest risk parts of TRG3, and try to find that, that, that moment, that run of cards where things go our way, and then we can take our profits and move on. Let's also quickly walk through that same idea and how this can be implemented to advantage at a slightly larger dollar amount. Same exact idea. But suppose we're going to start with a $25 unit size. 10, 10 units at $25 is $250, plus another 5 units at $50 is another $250, a total buy-in of $500. Going back to things we've talked about before, buying in for a larger amount and when needed, playing larger to get a higher recorded average wager from the pit boss. And when I make that $500 buy-in, I ask for it to be given to me as two $100 black chips and the other $300 in green chips. At most casinos, in my experience, asking for black chips gets a bit more attention from the pit boss. And that's attention we want. We want the pit boss to think that we are going to be a black chip player at some point because instinctively they will put in a slightly higher wager for us and that slightly higher average wager translates to better tier credits and to higher amounts of free tax-free imaginary money. So from here, we play just as described with a $10 or $20 unit size previously, but now we're doing it with a $25 and a $50 unit size. 
And if I ever need to make that two, two unit, that hundred dollar wager, if the black chip are, black chips are ever needed because things don't go well, great. Love when that happens. I make that hundred dollar bet. I do it with the black chip, and then the dealer almost always notifies the pit boss, either by saying black in action or checks play. You may play only a hand or two at that level before you win and shift back to the lower tier, but the pit boss is aware that you've been playing the bigger chips. And if you're playing blackjack, you may be surprised at how often you do in fact get a blackjack or a double on that larger bet, and that fixes everything and puts you on the path to profit. So now we've combined essentially what Mitch would call manipulation based on the unit size and the general behavior of casinos to get the pit boss to assume perhaps a larger wager than we are actually making, at least for a long period of time. And we are taking advantage of the fact that when things get bad to a certain point, our chances of recovery aren't very good. We're kind of mixing all those ideas together. And as I said to start, not for beginners. But if you have some experience, consider how chance of success decreases as your play stack decreases and how TRG4 plays well with just five or six units. And you can intersect those two ideas and create a lower risk buy-in and bankroll for your play sessions. All right, this next one should be fun. A Padawan parable actually recorded in a casino. Padawan! Oh, Anakin. Master! My young Padawan learner. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan. But you might make it as mine. So these parables, uh, and this is the second of these segments that I've done, these parables are very, very, very organic. They are very literally me sitting with someone I've known for a long time who's trying to learn, and in response to things that he says, I'm telling stories. And I'm telling stories that I think will teach a lesson in a, in a useful and interesting way. And in this case, I actually got to grab it and record it as I was I was actually doing it. So what we have to do here is the story about the parable to get to the parable, I guess. So I caught up with our Padawan learner when I got back from Atlantic City. I wanted to hear how his first full month of gambling had gone, his kind of preseason of gambling, if you will. I wanted to hear what kind of offers he'd gotten in the mail from his previous play and talk through how he was going to approach the new month. His first month, his warm-up month, his preseason month had been okay. Not great. Some okay days, more losing days than he would have liked or I would have liked, and not a profit after expenses for the month. Now, keep in mind that the first month is just getting the process started. It is just the preseason, as I said. And why is that? That's because there's no free money to gamble with when you start. They don't know who you are. They haven't started handing out the free slot play, the free table bets, the match bets, those kinds of things. There are no comped meals yet. There are no free gifts yet. There are no gift cards yet. There are none of those things that do happen over time and that are important tools for using to beating the game of casino gambling. Now add in that locally there are no comped hotel rooms or show tickets and the first month is really just getting the process started, getting the ball rolling. Something that our Padawan learner and I had discussed on multiple occasions. So we hung out a little bit. We had a nice winning day at a table together. We both executed a positive exit. 
We won some additional money using a three-chip exit when we were finishing up. And we went to the bar and talked about the promotions he'd had for the coming month. And the conversation wandered into a previous bubble crap session he had watched me play. This is the important jumping off point, and I apologize that it's a bit convoluted. I've been testing something ECE researched, and ECE and I and Nakatomi Tony are calling this Bubble Craps Ambush. And I'll tell you about it soon, and it's just a simple Martingale variation on the Don't Pass wager. But it's an interesting one that, that ECE dug out from an interesting source. Now, Bubble Craps is great for this process, but it can be a bit boring. And it's because you make a Don't Pass wager, a point is established, and then you just roll and roll and roll with nothing happening until either Big Red comes up and you win, or the point is rolled again and you lose. And in between, you're just rolling and waiting. So I was sitting with our Padawan learner and I was trying a variation of that, purely testing. And what I was doing was after the point was established, I would make a small $1 field bet and then martingale it in the same fashion. And the idea was to use of the very low minimum wager on these machines to make some money on the rolls that were normally just a waiting game for an outcome. It's an okay idea. It would work on a standard table, I think, admittedly with a slightly higher house advantage than I normally like. But when I was testing with our Padawan, I discovered that if I lost several field bets in a row and I'm making ever larger martingaled bets... When I finally did win that field bet, I couldn't get the Bubble Craps machine to take down the field bet while leaving the Don't Pass bet in place. There was no tile on the screen. There was no uh, icon on the screen that I could press to get my field bet down and leave that Don't Pass bet in place. It just wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. A limit of the software that a dealer would happily have just let you do on a real table you would get paid on that big field bet and you would pick up your winnings and you would pick up the bet and that would be normal and no one would think anything about it. You just don't want to make that bet again. No big deal. Bubble Crafts Machine wouldn't let me do that. And so our Padawan learner observed that and I went off to Atlantic City and our Padawan learner that discovered, well, I could not take the bets down on the bubble crap machines on the first floor of our casino. The machines on the second floor were set up differently, and you could take the bets down. It's interesting information. It's useful research. And I'll tell you, I am continuously amazed at how much variation there is in how these machines are set up and configured, in this case, not from casino to casino, which we've already seen, but in fact, even on machines just on different floors of the same building. The machines were set up differently in our casino. Fascinating. So with this new information in hand, our Padawan was suggesting to me as we sat at the bar that he and I created a very large bankroll combining our money and use a multiple-step accelerated martingale and then split the winnings thus allowing him to recoup the previous month's losses more quickly. And we'd be doing that by making wagers in combination that neither of us would have been particularly comfortable making on our own. And I explained that I understood the desire to recover faster. 
but said that one, I don't like to take Martingale so far that the inevitable loss requires many days or weeks to recover. And that is what this would have been. This would have been betting so big in proportion to the normal expected wins, in proportion to the positive exit, it was going to be a big recovery. Look, a few days I'm fine with. I'm fine with I have a bad loss, tier three meta Martingale, and it takes three days to recover, four days to recover. That's fine with me. But not when we get to six, seven, or more days. What this is, is, how do I explain this? We have positive exit points and we have negative exit points. And in this case, the idea that our Padawan was suggesting was setting a negative exit that was very, very large in relationship to a positive exit that was pretty small. So recovery time in the event of the inevitable failure was going to be much higher than I was comfortable with. And then the other part of this is that the foundational idea the ambush strategy itself is still something that I'm testing, ECE is testing, Nakatomi Tony is testing, our Padawan Learner is testing. I was willing to test adding another wager, but not to commit the very large amounts of money that were necessary to, to do something that we had not even completely lightly tested yet. And three... While I understood wanting to fix a bad month with changes and more risk, in my experience, it just didn't work that way. Our pattern was trying to force the metaphorical home run instead of settling for singles and doubles. And in that moment, I realized that I was going to make that point with a story. And I paused and I pulled out my phone and I pressed record. And this is the conversation that followed. I understand that you would like to catch up faster and you would like it to be low risk. Right. And what I want to tell you is I have walked this path Uh and this will happen, Uh but you can't make it happen. You have to allow it to happen and trust that it will. Uh By which I am saying, if you just keep doing what you're doing and stop trying to fix what you want to fix, along this path there's a unicorn. Uh And the unicorn is going to be more than happy to see you and the unicorn is going to walk with you unexpectedly for a while and everything will be easy. All the other beasts in the forest will fear you. Money will shine down on you from everywhere. Everything will go your way. And then eventually the unicorn will leave and you will have fixed the problem you want to fix. Uh-huh. But unicorns only help people who aren't looking for them. You can't force the unicorn. That's good. You just, I, as much as you want it, yeah. you just have to let it happen. This is somewhat akin to want to win more than you want the action. Uh-huh. You saw a little extension today, yeah. right? Which where nice, where yeah. a three-card exit extended itself. Yep. There will be also a number of times where it cuts off after two bets. That one done, that two done. <laughs> yeah. And you will have days and you will have moments where the unicorn shows up and three hours later you've quadrupled your go-home money. It is a unicorn. It doesn't happen very often. That's just the perfect visual. And it's for a that, unicorn. It's like really good. You can't make it show up. It makes its own choices. 
it chooses when to join you and you simply need to see it and participate just keep doing what you've been doing but you're not going to make it happen I can't tell you oh walk two miles there's a grove hang out with the unicorn and it's gonna happen yeah the grove is also magical right it goes with the unicorn Right? You can't go find the grove. The grove is magical. It goes with the unicorn. It shows up when the unicorn wants to show up for reasons only the unicorn knows. But all you have to do to find it is just walk the path. Just do the plan and trust that from multiple people's experiences who have walked this path, the magical grove will show up for you. (laughs) It will. The unicorn will be in it. And it'll be your favorite color. It uh-huh. will. It'll all turn out. You simply just have to walk the path, not try to take a shortcut. Yeah. Right. Which this, I learned that one. Yeah. Right. So that, this that's is also yeah. this is also that lesson, right? It, it is. What? You're trying to find a shortcut to the grove, which you're not going to find. All you're going to find is the bear. It's perfect that the path fits both. Scenarios. I mean, yes. that's great. It's all encompassing. It's right. great. It's let, great. Let it all come to. You, it good. will just walk the path. And that's not to say there aren't other good ideas to be learned, found, experienced. Like, I'm not saying you aren't going to come up with something. Yeah. What I am saying is that feeling of I want to solve this faster is normal. Yeah. And if you can, remain calm, remain professional, and let the problem resolve itself. In my experience, it does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It does. It will fix itself. It just let the unicorn show up. Yeah. It'll show up. That's good. Like, I really I, well, like and that. I was telling you, right? Yeah. We were dealing with a guy we didn't really like. Yeah. And we both said, I've won enough. I'm going to play with just these few chips. Mm-hmm. And I'd be happy with this win. Yeah. I'd be happy if I just walk away with this. And over the course of the next three hours, we put up with the annoying guy. And we both like quadrupled our win. Because it just kept happening. That's the unicorn, that's the grove. We were ready at 10 p.m. to be done, go to our room, have a glass of wine, watch an episode of Big Bang Theory and get up the next day. And at 1 a.m. we're ordering another round of cocktails because we're in the unicorn grove. Man, that's so good. And I it's, love that and, and, and it's right? So good. And even though we got this annoying guy that's making us crazy and we don't really like him, was tolerate him because we're in the unicorn grow. <laughs> right? Right? That's so good. Oh. So that's... It, it'll it happen, and once you get through it, you'll, you'll be surprised how often it happens. Yeah. And, of course, at the worst possible moments, it never shows up, and you can't believe you even remember it did show up, which is like it's like an oasis, right? Yeah. There's sometimes when it's been so long, you, like, forget the, that the grove exists. That's why, yeah. Right? Like you getting, just like, forget. It does. Oh. It does. It will. It'll happen. The Little Lion's favorite teacher says, we have ears, say cheers. One of my favorite teachers said, if you have ears, you should listen. Here ends the lesson. As I recall, the results segment is next. So let's go and talk about some results from a couple weeks of gambling. It's always very important to me that we do results in some fashion. Sometimes it's travel, sometimes it's result. It depends on what's going on. But it's important to me that you hear outcomes. 
I want you to hear the positive and regrettably negative results of doing the things that I talk about here each episode. So it's important to me that I never omit this part of the podcast. But I'm going to be honest, this should be quick and it should be boring. This one should not be a super interesting one. I did two weeks of local gambling and working as an IT consultant. No limousines, no pleasure cruise, no fame and fortune, and everything that goes with it, although I do thank you all. Just basic meat and potatoes gambling. Show up at the horse track after leaving the client, get the free play, get the free lunch. Watch the horses. Go to the full-service casino, get the gift, get the gift card, the free slot play, the free bets, the free t-shirt, win a day's pay, and leave. Just the basics. Now look, the go-go-go is really fun. The pleasure cruises are really fun. It's amazing, amazing, amazing to me the things gambling allows us to do and experience. And we have more travel coming up in the next few episodes, and that is going to be amazing as well. But for me, this is also a job, and this was two weeks between travel of just working and making money. And only one thing stands out, and it was both wonderful and mundane. After almost two straight weeks of winning, Mrs. TRG, the radiant goddess of casino combat, was visiting her mother out of town, and after a successful day of bubble craps and blackjack, I ran into Gabriel, the angel messenger of Casino Combat, as I walked by the craps table, and we chit-chatted for a minute, and we were talking, and the, the dreaded Big Red came up, and the game was resetting, and everybody was getting ready to start over again, and I noticed the table limits were all the way down to $15, which is somewhat unusual locally, and so I joined him, bought in with a few chips, and just set up a simple iron cross after a point was established, and I'd take it down after I hit a couple of times, assuming I did hit a couple of times. Just basic, simple, beginner stuff. And as we talked, Gabriel said, Hey, hey, TRG, I wasn't trying to pull you into anything. Don't turn a good day into a bad day because of me. And I explained I had time to spend, and I pulled out the app and showed him the results for the month to date in the app, and I said, if I ruin today, I ruin today. I've been doing just fine. It's been a minute since we got to have drinks and hang out. We had a great time. I lost a few bucks. (laughs) I went to the blackjack table, still having plenty of time on my time roll, and won what I'd lost and a bit more, and headed home. And that's the high point of this two weeks of gambling. See, boring. I told you it was boring. I finished the two weeks with a profit after expenses of 12 days pay. 14 days of calendar time. 10 days of that is work day. A really solid two weeks. A solid, solid two weeks. All the best of just local gambling, gambling like it's a job. Apologies for the absence of amusing characters and details. I'm very sure I have some of those for you in the next few episodes, but as I said, this was going to be quick and this was going to be boring. For now, those are the results of August first half of August 2023. I will meet you in the Virtual VIP Lounge to wrap up this episode and take a look back at a very, very young TRG. In fact, me, before I was TRG. A little bit of the bubbly. 
Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino podcasting, the Virtual VIP Lounge. And our lounge is open, and we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. The best still and sparkling water, the best adult beverages in the virtual world, the best virtual handcrafted artisanal sodas and pops, the best virtual robot chef buffet of any podcast on the internet, guaranteed. And if you find anyone in the podcasting world that has a better virtual buffet, let me know. We will remodel we will expand, we will not be virtually defeated. Obviously, we did not put together all this virtual greatness for no reason. Fix a virtual plate, grab a virtual drink if you can. Press pause, pour yourself something in real life. Join me in a drink in our wonderful virtual VIP lounge. I have a short pour of Gabriel's go-to beverage with me right here, a Knob Creek Neat. I've had this in my notes for a while. I may ramble a bit. I'm not exactly sure all the points I'm trying to make. I'll let some of you just interpret that as you will. But I do want to provide perspective and a point of view. I like the path metaphor a great deal, as we've seen. But I'm way ahead of some of you on that path. And some of you have more resources, move more quickly, can travel better than I can and have. And you've moved past me walking a path and you are riding on a highway or a high-speed train or whatever metaphor you prefer. I thought today I would quickly rewind my path all the way back to the very early 1990s. Imagine, if you will, we're doing this as a movie montage and we're sitting here talking and all of a sudden it goes, and we go way, 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 way back in time to the early 1990s in Las Vegas. And the mob is mostly out of Las Vegas and corporate ownership is in, but each casino is kind of an island as far as comps go. They're not all owned by just a few companies. Rewards are not automated and computerized. You don't have tier points and free tax-free imaginary money that you can look up in an app and spend as you will and track on your own and understand. No, pit bosses and hosts and corporate flunkies keep written records about players and decide who should get comped and what based on that written material, based on their personal relationships, based on people they know. And I know that now, but I didn't know that then. I didn't know that in that moment. I didn't know how any of it worked. I was just on my second or third trip to Las Vegas. I understood blackjack. I understood how to tip to get better seats at a show, something that I really miss in the age of automation. I'd read some books, but like Jon Snow, I knew nothing. So I'm sitting at a $2 minimum blackjack table at the old Imperial Palace across from Caesar's Palace on the Strip, and I'm feeling like a real grown-up gambler. I'm playing $5 hands at a $2 table. And a gentleman joins the table, and he clearly knows everyone. The waitress brings him a drink as soon as he sits down and greets him by name. The dealer knows him. The pit boss knows him, comes over to shake his hand, asks him how things are going. The gentleman says the pool was great. He's thinking he'd like to eat dinner at 7 o'clock at the Italian place. And his wife wants to go see the Osmonds at 9 o'clock. And the pit boss says, I'm sure that's no problem. Let me make a couple of calls and set things up. And the pit boss comes back a few minutes later and says he is sorry. Would 6.45 be okay for dinner? There is a large party coming in at 7.15. Sure, that will be fine. 
And the pit boss says, okay, Sammy's going to come by in a few minutes with the tickets. And sure enough, Sammy shows up in a really nice suit in just a few minutes to chit-chat and deliver the tickets and to ask if the gentleman's wife would like a bottle of champagne on the table for the show. And of course, yes, that would be great. And Sammy asks how the gambling's going, and the answer is, well, it was good yesterday, but not so good this morning, and that's why I went to the pool. And my jaw must have been on the floor, and my, my eyes must have been huge as saucers. I'm sitting here making my $5 bets, and this guy is playing green chips. Those are $25 chips, and those were a lot less common if we were going all the way back in time as we are. And this guy's playing these $25 green chips and just being treated like royalty. And he looks at me for a minute and says, you okay, kid? And I tried to recover. I tried to be cool. I said, yeah, I was just wondering if you know what the best dish at the Italian place is. <laughs> and he says, sure, kid, you can't go wrong with the shrimp scampi. And I say, okay, thanks. And we play a couple hands and the cards are being shuffled. And he looks at me for a minute and he holds up a green chip. And he says, holding up the green chip, this is the key. Play these four hours a day, and you get run of the house. They'll take care of you, and you get whatever you want. You just got to play these for four hours a day. I couldn't imagine that at the time. It seemed like a fortune. It also seemed like an amazing way to experience Las Vegas. Four hours a day, green chips, get whatever you want. Now, a green chip today isn't nearly as big a deal as a green chip back then. You're not getting run of the house whatever you want for playing green chips for four hours a day on the strip. But there are still a lot of places in the country where that action will get you room and food comps. It'll still get you room and food comps on the strip if you're smart and careful and knowledgeable. But the basic lesson is still very, very, very valid. Every building has a level of action that gets the house's attention and gets you comped a lot of the basics. Maybe you're not going to the celebrity restaurant every night and having the full three, $400 bill comped. Maybe you're not just having a bottle of champagne show up every time you ask for it. But basic play at a basic level that varies from building to building still happens. There's still a key that you can find. And in hindsight, that was a very early example of someone who knew how things worked teaching someone who didn't know. And obviously it stuck with me and I learned more and I learned to put that information to work. I guess if we go back to the path metaphor, that was the guy that showed me where the path started. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Remember your casino wisdoms. Please don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the gift of your time. Stick around. The best part of the podcast is on its way. The Casino Combat theme song.
And we don't need 